Beautiful. Good morning, everybody. Well, it's good to see you. And if you're new here, my name's Tony. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm, I'm bringing the word today, and I'm excited about it. So, uh, and I don't know if you're anything like me. God bless you if you are. Um, but I'm one of those type of people. I love a list. Anybody else here like a list? I need a list, right? Shopping list, the, my honey-do list, right? Any type of to-do list, I love a list. I love the satisfaction of grabbing a pencil, pen, crayon, doesn't matter, and checking that bad boy off, man. Take the box and just, boom, check that off. Or better yet, the kind of list that you have to scratch the thing off, man. I mean, that is just, it's like scratching off a winning lottery ticket, man. It's like, yeah, I did it. Okay. There's something satisfying about it, and I need those lists. I need those do's and those don'ts. And sometimes we get very wrapped up in trying to, uh, in in a very good and and well-intentioned way, in trying to discern the will of God for our life, that we, we pass over a lot of the just really black and white do's and don'ts in the Bible. And there's a lot of do's. I'll tell you what, the do's outweigh the don'ts a lot. And if you're busy doing the do's, you won't have time to do the don'ts. So we're going to talk about some of the do's today. And if you're still with me, let's pray. Gracious God in heaven, thank you for this morning. Thank you for a a time to come and worship you and say amen to all that you're doing in our lives. Lord God, you are so good to us. We thank you, Father, that you have given us your word Lord, that you didn't just leave us alone, but you sent your Holy Spirit to be with us, Lord. Guide us now, Father, as we walk through your word today. May your Holy Spirit just enlighten us to what you would have to say to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't get me wrong, our our faith in Jesus Christ and, and living in obedience to him is is, is what we're about, but uh, I, need, I need to know some, some practical steps I can do as a believer. Anybody else with me on this? I just need some stuff, some guidance that'll just say, Tony, here's what you need to do, right? And uh, now I will tell you, I'm going to warn you right now, as I was kind of just warming up a little bit and going through my teaching today, I started getting a little passionate about this. I'm not angry, I'm just passionate, okay? So I do tend to raise my voice and get a little crazy sometimes. So, um, (laughs) good luck. We're going to walk through the book of Galatians today. Anybody here read the book of Galatians? It's in that Bible thing, right? And if you've never read it, Galatians is written by the Apostle Paul. Paul went around after his conversion and planted churches all over uh, this area of the world, which you can see uh, Jerusalem down here at the bottom right, and on the far upper left corner is Europe. Uh, There's Galatia in the center, and and unlike Philippi or Thessalonica, some of these other books that we read about, uh, this is an area, it's a region versus just a city. This encompasses a lot of people. And if you look at where it is with Africa at the bottom, Asia on the right, and and Europe on the upper left here, you, you realize what a crossroads and a diversity of people this is going to be. Uh, and so just like the church of today, it's very diverse. These people to, to whom Paul is writing, these, this is... 
writing to a church. These are not unbelievers, but believers, people who claim to love the Lord <clears throat> that he's writing to. And, uh, and so there are, just like our church, there are brand new believers and there, there are some more seasoned believers here. There are people that come from all kinds of backgrounds, from different countries, from different religious backgrounds. And, uh, and so a lot is going on here, but they are all saved through the blood of Jesus Christ and their faith in him. They also have problems and issues. Aren't we glad that we grew out of that church? I mean, okay, I'm about ready to burst into flames. Sorry. I tried looking nice for you. That's over. You saw it. We're great. I can preach now. But let's put this into context here, because we think that in the modern day church, uh, that all these issues we're having, all these problems we're having, some of these sin issues that we're having are, put, are uh, like, like confusion among believers, disagreement uh, uh, among believers. How about this word, political correctness among the church? We think these are very recent items, but we're going to find out today that these were happening as long as people have been meeting together. And what Paul did in, uh, in the book of Galatians, which is a, a letter, right? We, we know this. This is a, this is a letter written to, to a church. And then we as, as men have, have gone and, and divided them up into chapters and verse to make it a little easier to read. That was not in the original, we, so you guys know that. And uh, we're going to do, we're going to really explore chapter six today, because that's where the to-do list is. But before we do that, I want to give you some context, because so much of it's context, because for the first four and a half to five chapters, Paul is, is admonishing the church. He's shaking them to wake them up, because he loves them. He wants them to get back to that first love that they had in Jesus Christ. He's going, come on, guys. I, I planted this church years ago. I keep checking on you. What the heck happened to you? And so he took five-sixths of this letter to do this. And we're going to just run through very quickly uh, what he talked about in those first five chapters, because I really want you to have the context uh, about what we're doing here. And there'll be some scripture reference. This is actually on the notes page written out for you if you need it. Um, and what I want you to do is take a look and see if that sounds familiar in the church today. First issue they were having, having is they were abandoning or watering down the truth of the gospel for the sake of gaining the approval of people inside and outside the church and seeking to please those people instead of seeking to please God. Wow, I'm glad we outgrew that one. Right? The second thing it was doing was being politically correct. And yes, the term uh, is maybe new, but what it's about goes back a long time. And that's simply, we don't want to really offend anybody. Let's be sensitive, people. Come on. And not offending someone for the sake of the gospel, guys. Come on. Third, they were going back to their old ways because they seem easier and more familiar to them. I remember when we used to do it that way. Remember the good old days? Instead of following the move of the Holy Spirit, they were following what they wanted to do and what they wanted church to look like. The fourth thing they did was they went back to religion and trying to do 
good, trying to be good, instead of relying on the grace by which they were saved in the first place. Right? They were trying to make it happen. Grace is such a hard concept. We come, Jesus Christ has already done all the work. God sent his only son to die for us, shed his blood for us, so that we, believing in him and following him, could receive eternal life. That's it. There's no way to earn it. And yet we try so hard because we feel in our own humanness that we, that we have to earn it somehow. And they were going back to that. They were allowing, hear this, they were allowing outward appearance and cultural heritage, race, lineage, customs, to divide the church, to distract them from what is true. Wow. Does that happen today? Yeah. And here's what's true, that they are all sons and daughters of the Almighty Father. We are all sons and daughters of the Almighty Father. If you have Jesus living in your heart, if you have surrendered yourself to Him, repented of your sins, and are following Him, we're all in this together, folks. Every single one, no matter what you look like no matter what your background is. The sixth thing they were doing is they were using, uh, or they were valuing fitting in with society over doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And the seventh is they were using their freedom in Christ. In other words, the freedom that Christ paid for on the cross to indulge their own selfish, sinful desires rather than serving one another in love. Those are your first five chapters of the book of Galatians. Thank goodness we have outgrown all of that, church. Who says the Bible's not relevant today, right? And, and the whole point of this is not to condemn the church, but to restore the church back to what it needs to be, the bride of Christ. That's who we're called to be, people. Guys, all right, well, let's, let's uh, talk about what Paul said in Galatians 6. So if you will, stand with me as we read the Word today. We're going to turn to chapter 6 in the book of Galatians. Go to the Gospels, turn right, head out a little bit, and we're going to read the entire chapter today. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the Word should share all good things with their instructor. Do... Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good things, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use to write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people, 
by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The, o- the only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that, you may, that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. True that. Be seated. I encourage you this week sometime, maybe a couple times this week, to pick this Bible thing up and crack it open to Galatians and read it in its entirety. It's a very easy read, probably less than an hour. Read it a couple times through and see what the Lord would speak to you through it. But read it its entirety as one letter, not six chapters, so that you can understand the context in which Paul is writing. Alrighty? So let's get down to these five things of living life, right? Let's get down to our list. Let's get down to our, I don't know about you, man, those, those four dummies books, right? I need those. Like cooking for dummies. You got to watch out for the electric for dummies, electrical repair for dummies. That's not a good one. But... <laughs> But this was going to be Living Life for Dummies, and I felt that was slightly insulting, so we changed the title to Living Life for Christians. We're going to talk about five things today, and the first one is that we need to do life with other believers. Look around you, people. You're not alone in this. Look around you, people. I can tell those who aren't looking. I'm seeing you. Look around. Look at these beautiful people sitting in the same room as you. We're doing life with each other. We're doing... This is what this is about, folks. We need to do life together. And part of that, of course, is just loving one another and serving one another. But he gives some very specifics here. And the first thing he talks about is that we restore our brothers and sisters. And we don't preach about that. We don't talk about that a lot because it's icky. And it invades someone else's space. And it's not politically correct. And and we need to respect everybody and their decisions. And ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are going to respect those people right into the gates of hell. Dang it, we got to restore our people, man. we got to love people enough and value them enough to go, hey man, I love you. I value you but you are going down a wrong path here. How can I help you? How can I help you? We've got to do that. And sometimes we don't do it because we don't do it well. Sometimes we're afraid to do it, right? No one likes conflict. Other times we're just like, you know what? They'll be fine. Someone else will come along. Holy Spirit will convict their heart. Maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting your heart to go talk to them. We bury it. Oh, I don't want to have to deal with that today. I'm having a rough week. And let me tell you what. If God tells you to do something, if the Holy Spirit is moving you to do something, do it. Please. Okay. I want to see our brothers and sisters restored. We, hey, we all need it. 
We all go through times in our life, seasons of life. We all hit road bumps in our lives where sin hits us hard. And we are pulled away. And there's nothing more valuable than a friend or a brother or sister who will come up to you and go, man, let me, let me serve you in this way. And we're told how to do it. He says that we are to restore them gently. Not with a finger in the face or judgmentally or with pride or selfish or unhealthy motives. But we do it gently. That doesn't mean that we don't speak truth. We have to speak the truth. But we do it in a loving, gentle way. Walking in the Spirit. Okay? And this gets a little scary. Because what if they say, well, you're not perfect. You're right. I'm not. Let's figure this out together. Right? We're not perfect. We're not doing this because we're perfect. We're doing this because we're walking in step with the Spirit as he talks about just a few verses before this chapter. The second part of of doing life uh, with other believers here that he talks about is carrying one another's burdens. Guys, we got to be here for each other. We really do. We have to be available to one another. We do it because... He says, if we do this, we fulfill the law of Christ. Christ took the entire law, hundreds of laws, and he crammed it down into two statements. One, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. By carrying one another's burdens, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. We need to help each other out, folks. Life's hard. Life gets crazy out there. Emotionally, spiritually, sometimes even physically, we need to help each other carry their burdens. Second part is, we we need to do what we need to do to grow. So there's that outward thing. But then there's that inward thing that we need to do what we need to do to grow. Seems a little redundant, but that's the way it is. What he talks about here is that we need to test our own actions to be confident in who we are in Jesus Christ. Are you confident in who you are in Jesus Christ? I mean, are you really confident? Because I remember when I was a kid, I had an eighth grade teacher, a guy named Bruce Chester, loved the man to death. He was a good Christian man, and he would share Jesus with us back before he didn't get arrested for doing that. But he shared Jesus, and we went to camp, Whitewater Bible Camp with him. We talked about Jesus. And a couple guys and myself who all went to high school together loved this guy. We'd go back and visit him at our old middle school. And we'd go in and we're like, hey, Mr. Chester, how you doing? He goes, hey, if you died tonight, where would you be? It's like, I just expected, like, hi, how you doing? But, okay, let's go here. And I'd say, well, I'd, I'd go to heaven, Mr. Chester. And he'd go, why? Well, because the Bible says if I believe in Jesus. I'd, well, where does it say that in the Bible? Okay. But we have to be confident in that. And through that guy who was willing to build into me, I can show you in Scripture why I am confident. Why I am confident. And there are bumps in the road and there are doubts that come up. But when it really comes down to it, I really look inside, I go, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. So... um, we need to do that self-examination, folks, as, as Christians. As growing people, it's good to examine. Do a little self-inventory. In Psalm 139, 
Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. When they make metal, especially precious metals, they put it in a big crucible and they apply heat to it until it melts. And stuff comes to the top, the impurities, and they skim it off. And they keep that process up, that refiner's fire. We sing a song here called Refiner's Fire. That's what that's about. And sometimes, guys, we have buried that sin or we have rationalized that sin so much and convinced us that it wasn't a problem and we end up wondering why, where God is in our life. God, I can't figure out you feel so dead. Oh, God, why am I going through this? Oh, God, why? And we keep doing that, and, and yet we're holding on to some of that same sin, and some of it we don't even know about. And that's when we need to get that refiner's fire and pray that the Holy Spirit will set us on fire to where those impurities will come to the top so that we can allow Him to skim them off. And we can only do that by looking in ourselves and go, God, heal me. Show me the sin so that I can confess it and be free of it. And, and the big thing here, folks, is we got to quit comparing ourselves, he says in, in verse 4, to others, for good or for bad. Because we have that tendency to do that. We'll walk into church and go, okay, I'm better than him. I'm not as bad as that guy. No. Or we'll go, oh, my gosh. Wow, that, wow, they're so holy. I'll never, I'm never going to be as good as them. And we've got to stop doing that, he says, pretty plainly. I love the Apostle Paul. He's the guy that says, hey, if something's uh, causing you to stumble, stop doing it. He's pretty black and white here. And he says, we need to stop comparing ourselves to each other. We need to take that confidence that we have in Jesus Christ and make him our standard. And we will never be like Jesus, but we got to keep him in sight. That's the goal, to be as close to Jesus as we can be in our lives and not worry about what anyone else is doing. All right? Second part of this is reap what you sow. And we use this out of context a lot, don't we? Oh, you did that. You're going to reap what you sow there, man. We use it to mean you're going to get what you deserve. And really what he's talking about is our salvation here. If we allow ourselves to live in our salvation, then, then what we sow or what we reap from that is eternal life. And if we turn our back on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, then what we'll reap is eternal condemnation. You know? And so really that's what it's about. It's talking about, guys, you know, really seriously, this is not about us. It's about what he's done for us. And are we willing to embrace it? Number three, be excellent to each other. I love that. Bill and Ted had something going on in the 80s. Be excellent to each other, dude. I'm not as cool as Pastor Tom. I can't be like true dad, but I can be, be excellent to each other, dudes. But it's so true as believers. We have got to start being excellent to each other. Verse 10, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Again, take another look around. 
Come on, you can do it. If you have a neck brace on, you are excused from doing this. And even then, you can be doing that kind of thing, right? Be good to these people. This is our family. This is our, now, we are supposed to be doing good to all. But guys, when it comes down to it, these are the people we need to be loving, encouraging, helping, blessing. Right? It's cool stuff. Everybody's still awake, right? Okay, good. First Thessalonians, Paul writes to, to, to this church, may the Lord make you love, make your love increase and overflow for each other. He's talking to the church, and then he's saying, and everyone else. Love each other, let it overflow, and then, you know, love everybody else too. Jesus, in John chapter 13, says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if, if you love one another. If you love one another. We've got in the habit in the church in America of a lot of gossip, a lot of backbiting, a lot of ugly talk. Facebook and Twitter have not helped this. It's pretty easy to say it when you're not looking at someone right in the face. Or in the eyes. We've got to stop. We've got to stop. We've got to go back to that first love. We've got to start loving one another with the love of Jesus. And to be really honest, we sit there and we go, why isn't the world coming into our church? Well, because you're being jerks to one another. If you are sitting there backpacking and gossiping and being ugly to one another, why would the world want to come in? If you go to work and go, man, I'd love for you to come to my church. We're having a Christmas program, a children's play, just on Sunday morning. And they say, no, you're, why would I want to be like you? Maybe they'd go, yeah, you're awesome, but I can't. I'm, I'm busy on Sunday. That's okay. This is not a judgment. This is just a wake-up, guys. I'm speaking to myself first. We've got to speak to one another in love. You know? We have to set the example as believers. In 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul is giving encouragement to his, his disciple, his, this guy Timothy, who's followed Paul and tr- been trained to be a you know, pastor or missionary. And he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. You know, but, but let me say this. Don't, look at down, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, because you're older. Because you're different. Right? But instead, be the example in faith and love and hope and impurity. That's what we need to do, guys. We need to set that example. Fourth thing we need to do is avoid empty religion. And that was one of the things that Paul was admonishing the church in Galatia about. Was, he's saying, guys, this whole thing about circumcision, it's gone beyond what was good in the past to becoming this empty religious act. And there are things that we do that are very, very good that can become very, very religious. You know what I mean by that? There are things that we do, and we do them because we're supposed to do them, and they become more religion than they do something that builds us up. It's about works. It's about doing something to earn something. 
And what ended up happening here was there was a division in the church over this because some people were saying, well, you know, we, were, we used to be Jewish and so we're, we were circumcised and, you know, we're kind of a little bit better than you guys because we did it the right way. And it started a division in the church. And it happens all the time. It has happened since there has been church, where people in the church, where pastors and priests of church has said you had to look a certain way or do a certain something to be right with God. And it still happens this very day. And I mean today, this Sunday, around the world there are people, maybe even in this church, who are looking at other people saying they're not doing it right. Because they wore that set of clothes instead of this set of clothes. Because they read from that version of of the Bible instead of my version of the Bible. Because they sang that song and didn't raise their hands. Or because they sang that song and they did raise their hands. And we constantly judge one another in that. And that becomes the lie of empty religion. It's not about these things. I love this, what he says here. He says, circumcision or uncircumcision mean nothing. It's about the new creation. So the second thing I want you to do is live as a new creation. Who you are through Christ Jesus. Counts for nothing. The only thing that counts is the new creation. And he's going back and he's saying, guys, look, it's not even about your birthright as Jews and being the favored people. We're all in this now. That has been been broken. We are free from the law. Instead, we are to live in the freedom that Christ has set us free. And we need to embrace this. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. The old is gone, the new is here. When you repent, you believe, and you're baptized, it's the symbol of our death, and we come up, and we are new creations. Please, people, hear this. Live as new creations. This is the thing that makes me want to skip down the street instead of walk. This is the thing that makes me want to jump up and down and say hallelujah. Live as those new creations. Who wants empty religion when that's the alternative? Being new creation. That's cool stuff. Finally, the last thing is to speak grace. He doesn't say this particularly, but he gives us an example of this. He says at the very end, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. One of the things I love about the Apostle Paul, he wrote, you know, a big chunk of the New Testament. And every single one of those books, those letters, either begins with or ends with or both with some type of greeting of grace or peace or blessing. May the grace and peace of the Lord be with you. Just think if we spoke grace to one another. Just think if we spoke the blessing of grace to one another each time we saw each other. And I'm talking genuine. I'm not talking about, well, praise the Lord, how you doing, brother? Amen, hallelujah, good to see you, brother. If that's you being genuine, great. I don't see a lot of you doing that. 
I don't see me doing that. If I ever do that to you, please smack me. I'm out of my mind. If I do that. <laughs> Especially you. <laughs> Ste yeah, Steelers fans. Okay. But like Paul, <laughs> see, the grace of God covers everyone. Anyway, speaking the blessing of grace to one another, though, even if you're not speaking the words, if we approach people with the attitude of blessing them in grace, we're not going to have to worry about doing sermons about gossip or backbiting or hurting one another. As we speak grace to one another, if the words that come out of our mouth are fresh water, the Bible says, instead of that bitter water, we're not going to have enough chairs in this place. How do we speak to one another? How do we bless one another in all our comings and our goings? What would that do to the people who are sitting next to you? What would that do to your family? What would that do to the people at your work if your attitude when you spoke to them was an attitude of blessing them with grace? Wow, these are some good checklist items, aren't there? Some good to-do list here. These things are hard to do in our own power, but we don't have to do this in our own power. God gave us the Holy Spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can take a checklist. We can take the commands that we receive from the Bible. We can take the wisdom that we get from these writers of the Bible inspired by the Holy Spirit to go out and to do good to one another, to be excellent to each other. That's what we're called to do, people. There are some great people around you today. I want to encourage you to love one of them on the way out. I want you to, someone, you know, you've never met on the way to the lobby, just go, hey, by the way, my name is whatever your name is. Maybe it's one of those, I've, you know, I've seen you here for 12 years and I've never introduced myself. That's the beginning of being good to one another. Yes, we got to serve this place, man. You people are awesome. I love this place. Hear me, people. I love this place. I want us to just live up to what God is doing in this place. Band's going to come on up. So here's our five, folks. Here's the five. Do life with others. Are you in a life group? Are you in a home group? If you're not, as you head out on the right-hand side, back on this, you know, you're going to walk and you're going to come right back around. There's a bulletin board on the other side of that wall that has all the different life groups that, that meet throughout the city. Please find one. It is essential that we do life together to maintain our health, our spiritual health in Jesus for restoration, for love. 
Do we do what we need to grow as personal? Do you take that personal inventory? We need to do that prayerfully and regularly. I need to do that. We need to be excellent to one another. Do good for the people in the kingdom of God. We need to avoid that empty religion, folks. Don't go back. Don't go back. When uh, About 15, 16 years ago, Don and I were in our, our old church, and it was a church built in the 19-teens, right? And in the 70s, early 70s, they did a remodel, and everything was dark brown and gold and orange and avocado, right? It was awesome. And so in the 90s, they thought, well, this is hideous. And so they got together a remodeling fund, and they started remodeling the church, and they, they, they cut, painted everything, they changed the upholstery, and one of the things they did was they refinished all the wood, and the wood was this dark wood, and they took it down, and one of the things was the cross that was up here on that wall kind of thing above the stage. And a lady came in, and she walked in, and she said, where's the cross? And the pastor looked at her and said, well, it's, we took it down, we're cleaning it, and restaining it's being restored it'll be up in a couple weeks she says well then i'll see you in a couple weeks because i am not going to worship in a place that doesn't have a cross the cross is a good thing i love the fact that we have a cross but when we take empty religion and make it an idol we really can stumble very easily folks right so so avoid that empty religion and guys speak grace Speak grace to one another. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for these points that you have given us, Lord. Thank you for speaking to us through your word and through your Holy Spirit. Lord God, I pray that whether just little pieces of this or the whole thing have sunk into our hearts, Lord, that they would permeate our hearts and our minds and our souls, every bit of us that we would live as the new creations that we are, helping our brothers and sisters and praising you and giving you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.